مرحبا حبيبيز السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته As always, Habibi, to catch a full episode and conversation with Carol Roth, go and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Habibi Bros. Down in the links below. Where is it, Jay? Right, right Where down is here. it? Look, Dan's mom's down here. Can we just... <laughs> That's underway, just like the other question is illogical. And I've heard you speak about it because you always... I'm not being solicitous, but you... You're always straight up about what you're doing. And the grocery store doesn't have the capacity to enforce a, some kind of proof of vaccination. Then they have to say that indoor masking needs to apply because we don't know who's vaccinated and who's not. That's the first point I always like to push back on is we had partial targeted lockdowns. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. What's going on, Habibis? I'm Suraj Hashmi. I'm Jack Kobe. And we're the Habibi Bros. Welcome to another episode of Habibi Power Hour Premium. Jay, how you doing tonight? I'm doing wonderful. I mean, after binge drinking last night for a live episode, I'm ready for round two. Let's go. Uh, I am actually very excited uh, about our guest tonight. Uh, let's just go ahead and bring her in here. Kale Habibti. Habibi. Good. I like the little intro music. I'm going to do my yeah. little, uh, little dancing. I like that. It's very good. Very good. And it's also, uh, we're, we're actually in the intro. We can't even tell the difference between uh your set now and the the previous stream that we had before <laughs> uh but for the habibis who have no idea who this is this is carol roth she is a former investment banker she's also the author of the war on small business how the government used the pandemic to crush the backbone of america very good book i encourage all the habibis to go check it out you can also follow her on twitter at carol J Roth, is that it? J S Roth, just to J. S. make Roth. super cop. Yeah, it's, it stands for Jesus saves. So Carol Jesus saves Roth. It really oh, doesn't, oh. but no. Oh, okay, oh, I was just gonna, I was just gonna <laughs> say, like Carol, did we? Did you just go full evangelical on us? <laughs> no, no, no. Because you realize who we are, right? <laughs> exactly. And at this moment, Carol, we'd like you to raise one hand <laughs> and your finger to the to the sky. And I want you to repeat after uh, Jay. Let's go after you. How about that? <laughs> okay. Are, are there subtitles get... for this? No. I'll, uh, I'll no. Do very. He'll very, do it in uh, Arabic. He'll, he'll do it in Arabic. I'll do it in English. Okay. So it's a shadow. A shadow. In la. In la. Ilaha. Ilaha. Allah. Allah. Muhammadan. Muhammadan. Rasulullah. Rasulullah. Beautiful. It means, Absolutely it means, perfect. It's beautiful. Yeah. Carol, it means I bear witness there is no God but God, and Muhammad is the messenger of God. Congratulations. You're now Muslim. Allah. Thank you. Thank you. Inshallah. <laughs> well, now, well, now had, that we I got had, that I out of the way. Already, already up and on the way for, for when this happened as well. That's so, wait, so does this mean I, I can't wear the Jewish star for the episode? I have to like cover it up for the episode. <laughs> uh, it just, 
I'm surprised. Or should I just get us some Ben and Jerry's ice cream and that'll just kind of even everything out? <laughs> even that it actually, all out with some I, That actually, I think, I think, I think we could do that. I think we can arrange that. <laughs> you know, that's, that, that we're all even. Jesus saves is now, uh, uh, what, what is it? Jah uh, Jannah saves. Jannah saves. That's what Jannah it is saves. now. Jannah, Jannah is saves. paradise. Jannah Rock. saves. So, uh, so. Uh, Carol, for those who are, are completely unfamiliar with you and your work, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what has shaped your worldview uh, and the person who you are today. <laughs> um, I'm a totally insane person and that has shaped my worldview. Uh, as you mentioned, I am a recovering investment banker. I got <laughs> that way um, kind, of, kind of by a lot of luck, but uh, through a lot of hard work as well. Neither of my parents went to college. My father was an electrician. My mom was uh, sort of a stay-at-home mom that became a hobby entrepreneur. And I managed to get myself into this fantastic undergrad business program called Wharton at the University of Pennsylvania. And wow, uh, where President Trump went to. That is true. That is true. Although, um, I, as I said, my, my dad was an electrician, so that didn't really help, <laughs> help me get in there um, at all. And, oh, you didn't uh, get a small loan of two million dollars to start your life out? I did. It was, so I, it I was sixty-nine million dollars. I had to pay it back, just not from my dad, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that actually informed what I was doing because um, you know that was the only way I could go to school was working through school, paying my own way and taking out loans. And I had $40,000 when I graduated like a hundred years ago. Um, so you know, really, when you're in that position and you want to pay the loan down quickly, which was what my dad said, you, know, you can't take out the debt unless you have a plan to pay it down really quickly. There are sort of two options for people who like to deep dive into something. They become management consultants and people who have ADD go into investment banking because you can work on like a million different things as well. So that's what led me to investment banking. Um, I was very fortunate that it, it ended up being quite good for me. Um, I ended up being a vice president and an officer of the firm by the time I was 25 years old. I had a lot of financial flexibility and eventually uh, the firm went through a couple of mergers and I decided I didn't really want to do that anymore and, and went on my own and decided I was going to reinvent myself. Um, really have always wanted to be a game show host. I keep telling everyone this because I, I hope that happens. Um, <laughs> But it was pretty clear nobody was going to hire the investment banker as a game show host. But other people were like, oh, you should be on television. I'm like, oh, that seems like a great idea. Like, what does that mean? Um, but that's how I started getting into small business because I'd have a lot of small business owners who would call me as an investment banker who couldn't afford to hire me. And uh, I felt badly. I'd love to help them out. So I figured the media was a way to get good information and to help them out at scale without them having to have a retainer fee. And, and whatnot. And then I just kind of got dragged into all of this insanity. And over the course of like a dozen years, have done everything from interview presidential candidates and folks like Richard Branson and the CEO of Bank of America to being a judge on a Mark Burnett reality show on TBS to doing all sorts of uh, other insanity. 
And then, you know, kind of as that unfolds, you've written a few books. And uh, any time a crisis comes about, it seems like I get dragged in the middle of it. I was in a, a documentary about the financial crisis. I was in an episode, uh, or excuse me, an episode of Booked about the financial crisis. I was in a documentary about the auto bailouts. And then now we've got uh, the war on small business related to the pandemic. So if there's a good crisis, I'm going to help explain why people are getting screwed over by it. Well, I'm glad you brought up game show hosts because obviously what we're seeing with Jeopardy is obviously a, a major vacancy and a host who is it a, a, a fill-in host, I should say, an interim host who was a Jeopardy contestant filling in for Alex Trebek. All I can say is uh, Carol Roth, next Jeopardy host. What so is here's absolutely here's hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What is absolutely halal? Now that <laughs> <laughs> so here's the problem though with jeopardy is it's way too serious and that's like the whole point of being a game show host is so i can get away from all this serious shit so i want to be <laughs> in like a fun game show like the price is right or that's press your one. luck or something like that where you like jump up Have and down with the contestants yeah Oh, oh I would feud, love, I'd love to do Family Feud. I'm obsessed with Family Feud, so. We have one of our Habibis, Faye, commenting, saying, Carol, if you want a public forum to express yourself, have you considered Locals? It's not a game show, but someone told me recently it's a place where you can express raw, unfiltered opinions. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks so much. I really have no problem expressing raw, unfiltered opinions. Um, I just really want to give away cash and prizes, so I need somebody to pay for that, so it's not coming out of my bank account. <laughs> I love locals. It has like a million bucks to give away. It's probably not for me, but I appreciate it. It's nice. Yeah, uh, they also do that to troll me incessantly because I joined locals. And ever since I did, the, they have literally, uh, the Habibis have dunked on me at every which way. And that's just, You'll you'll it's, you'll you'll see when you get on locals. It's, capital, it's <laughs> capitalism. Do they not want you to get your due? <laughs> Maybe I don't know, but uh, it's, just, it's a lot of fun dunking on Siraj. That's what it is. He it, did a it, he did an interview a intro video explaining why he joined locals. So we all dunk on him for that intro <laughs> intro yep. video right now. So that's why it's so. It, so Carol, can I, can I, wait, hold before we get. Can I see my picture um, in the the hajib because it, it's actually very kind of like Jack Yo. I'm actually kind of yeah. It looks yeah, it looks nice. really good. It's not bad. It's very and, and what's really amazing about this picture too is my mom. She's from Arkansas, but when she converted into Islam, she started wearing a hijab exactly like this. Huh. And because she's white, <laughs> it looks exactly like her when <laughs> when she converts. <laughs> so I'm your mom. Hey, we're not saying no. Yeah. <laughs> so, Carol, getting into your book, again, the book is The War on Small Business, How the Government Used the Pandemic to Crush the Backbone of America. It's very fascinating. It's a great recap of uh, what took place over the last year and change um, and how the government responded uh, to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but before we kind of get into all the uh, nuts and bolts of your arguments within the book, what what inspired you to write the book? And uh, and as a follow up, what what were you hoping to accomplish? And do you feel you reached your goals in that regard? So I was actually approached to write a book 
by HarperCollins very early on during the pandemic. They saw that this was going to be sort of a historic um, economic point in time. And so they came to me and said, we want someone who has an actual economic background, not just people who spout off random talking points to break down what's happening. Would you like to do this? And you know, at that point, you know, sitting at home, I'm not flying around the country doing speaking engagements, that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, I like projects. That sounds fun. Like, that seems like a good thing to do, like an idiot. And I didn't realize that we were going to be locked down for like 15 months and that this was going to be something that changed like on a real time basis. So I'm like going, oh, yeah, that's, that seems like a fun thing to do. And it was so challenging because you know, different things would happen, new information would come out, things would change. I mean, we had a point in March where the stock market, you know, had hit this like, you know, fallen off a cliff scenario. Then we had the GDP go down like 32.9% on an annualized basis, like historic, never been like that before. And then all of a sudden, like June 5th, we're hitting all time highs again. And you're like, what? wait, what's going on here? So I sort of wrote, three and a half different books during the course of this pandemic. And it just kind of kept shifting. But small business was always part of that through line. I've been a long time small business advocate. My first book was about small business, all the risks to owning a small business. Never did I think that the US government shutting you down and saying you can't work and open your business was going to be the, the top risk. But you know, 2020 rolls around and that's what, ha what happens. And so, you know, the, the thing just kind of kept moving and it, it was like this, like kind of choose your own adventure and mystery story. And eventually at some point in time, just had to, to say, okay, this is what we're going with. But I am so thrilled in retrospect, even though it was just a, a ridiculous amount of work that I wouldn't have signed up for if I would have known in advance. In retrospect, given the gaslighting that we have been uh, prone to and the rewriting of history already on what's happened with small business and this historic wealth transfer and the economy, I'm thrilled that I was able to capture real time the record of what actually happened because I think as time goes on, we're going to see this is a really pivotal point in time uh, with a different kind of lens. And so I feel like this is going to be a resource people are going to come back to. And it's really been helping to educate people because as, as we saw in your intro clip of, as, as I said, there are a lot of people who think that there were lockdowns and there weren't, there were targeted lockdowns. There are a lot of people who think that we were all in it together and we weren't. And there were a lot of people who think that the small businesses got a bailout, which they didn't. And by the way, they didn't do anything wrong. So there would be no need to bail them out, um, do compensation. So to be able to you know, give people the tools to talk about what happened, uh, as well as have this record for historical purposes, really, really pleased. Although, as I said, when I was, when I went into it, I'd like, I had no idea that this was what I was in for. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that, uh, you know, the term bailout being used for small business is almost insulting. It's just the bailout, you know, you bail someone out of jail, you know, you know, bail out a small business because they're just literally just trying to operate at right, full I mean capacity. And that's what happened during the financial crisis, right? The, the Great Recession, 2007, 2008, 
banks to and and you know kind of adjacent industries took on this extra risk and it's through um you know no fault of everybody else's we all got dragged into the mess that they created but they were told that they were too big to fail and the taxpayers had to step up and by the way they got this regulation that ended up hurting small businesses but that's another story um but you know this is the opposite <laughs> this is the government coming in and saying we are shutting you down and that wasn't the small business owner's uh, fault. So really that falls under eminent domain that, that, that is subjugating their property rights. And so they were due compensation because their property was quote unquote taken for the good of society, whatever that means. Yeah. Jay. Right. And, and the way you, you, you put it like how it was targeted, it makes, makes very much sense because you still had places like Costco, Walmart, Target, you know, the big box retailers still working in full capacity. Amazon didn't stop shipping, shipping out places. Their warehouses didn't get shut down. So why was it that, you know, Giorgiano's that was working for 30 years, you know, pizza parlor had to close down, but these places had to stay open. It made zero sense to anybody who, who, you know, was watching it. So yeah, I think it was very, very targeted, like you said, against specifically small businesses. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, if, if you look at it broader, it's those who didn't have political clout and connections, and those just happen to be the small businesses. So it's it's not like, you know, there's a reason why it's the small business. It's not just like, oh, I walk around hating small business. It is, you know, they are decentralized. They're of no use to us. They don't, don't provide any lobbying dollars. Yeah, that's an easy thing for us to look like we're doing something. And there are a lot of people who are running with that narrative and going, well, people were dying. You had to have lockdowns. Okay, like you said, well, what about Walmart or, or Amazon? And so that's the great thing about the book because it really is nonpartisan. Is I don't even need to convince people like what the right strategy is. It's pointing out that what was done was neither lockdown nor liberty and the targeted lockdowns did not provide appropriate compensation. So whatever you think should have been done didn't happen regardless of what it is. Right, I mean, it's, uh, I, we see a comment here from Anthony Rivera who says, and the arbitrary essential business label was atrocious. I mean, oh it, 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 it is, I mean, I mean, I don't know how you say it better than that really. Right, it, it, it was all, all make believe the whole the whole thing was and none of it was <laughs> my favorite thing was how they also put science into it and how they were following science while they were changing their tune every other minute and it was very hard for small businesses to be able to keep up with it too like you have to be massive you can operate being massive you have to be six feet apart you have to make sure you have these in place in your restaurant and your small businesses to to actually open you have to be at 25 percent capacity then 50 percent capacity Every other month, they they had to spend money in order to get themselves to be open, and not a lot of people can do that. I mean, California alone had saw like a hundred thousand restaurants close, and never will never recover from from something like this. And it's sad to see; it really is. Yeah, and I mean, if talk about some of these ridiculous rules, you know, on top of the you know, the change those changing dynamics, there were things like. Well, you know, if you serve alcohol, you need to serve food, but chips aren't enough. You have to serve a dip with the chips. Like, re- like, really? like, what? What's the science behind dips? Like, why are dips like going to prevent us from COVID? Or like, you have to close at eleven, not twelve. I mean, like, just 
these like tiny little things that like anybody who wasn't totally traumatized by the fear porn that was pushed out on a daily basis would have just stopped and went like, the hell are these people talking about? You need to have dips with shit. Like, how does that, <laughs> like, how does that save you from COVID? Yeah. Like, what, what does that have to do with anything? It has nothing to do with anything. This is a pure, sure. complete power grab. And so it's when, when I get people who are fighting me on this, which again, the whole like screw, right. screw small business thing is kind of a weird flex. But like, if you want to go down that road, <laughs> like, sometimes I'm a contrarian about things. You're going to go down that road. Then you just start looking at the, the things and you're just like, I, I don't even know what you're arguing about. Yeah. Nick says most jobs are essential to the person working them. If your job houses, clothes, and feeds your family, it's essential. Essential, they actually essential to whom? That's always the question. Who is it? And you know, this is on the back of like, you didn't build this in a, in a previous administration. So you didn't build it. You're not essential. Like, what are they telling people about their path to wealth creation, economic freedom, and the like? I mean, this is the messaging they're intentionally putting out.